0: You know what will keep you warm in the great white north? A little true crime with your host Megs and Jess.
1: Sunday, true crime, and coffee on a Sunday.
0: And what's in your coffee?
1: Well, I discovered, and I'm late to the party, clearly. Because have you ever tried the Starbucks coffee creamer?
0: No, I didn't even know they had one.
1: Yeah, I found the cinnamon dolce, at, and uh, just at the grocery store, and it's amazing. Almost as good as rum chata. Well this is no alcohol <laughs> but it's delicious it they they're very similar in taste um but yeah i was telling a, a friend of mine and she's like seriously you're just discovering these i'm like yeah apparently but she's i've never seen them before and she said they're always sold out so and p.s this is not a paid advertisement but starbucks if you want to sponsor us call me <laughs> we'll take i just love it free coffee (laughs) yeah
0: uh we are getting paid for this no just kidding (laughs) no it would be nice though
1: right i know well hello and welcome to true crimes in the great white north i am your host jess and this is my fabulous partner in crime megs This episode contains disturbing and violent content and is recommended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. As much as we are wannabe amateur detectives and journalists, alas, we are just two prairie girls with a natural curiosity for true crime, sitting in our closets with the microphone, (laughs) headphones, and talking about all things true crime. I did up my game and buy myself a TV tray. <laughs> so I'm no longer sitting on the floor. So I'm getting pretty fancy over here.
0: Oh, yeah. You should see our fine establishment. I know, right? Have. So have you been listening to
1: any new podcasts lately?
0: I just finished uh, one that I loved, and I'm kind of sad it's over. It was called Stolen, the Search for Germain. Uh, it's Canadian journalist out of Saskatchewan who was doing a case of a missing Indigenous woman in Montana, and so she did eight episodes, and it just finished, and she hasn't said if there were more. But I mean, they, you know, like they researched for so long, it was really good. I really liked right. it. Uh, oh,
1: I, and I thought it was to listen to that one.
0: Yeah, she's really good. So that's a good one. And and then uh, what was the other with the Pam?
1: There's oh, something about
0: Pam. No, it, I
1: know that. The thing about Pam. The thing about Pam.
0: <laughs> yes, that was it.
1: I did listen to that one. Um, and that is hosted by Dateline's Keith Morrison. Um, and it was, that's quite a crazy story. It's insane, Very interesting.
0: Right? What other one did you, have you listened to lately? I've been
1: listening. Well, I listened to that one. Um, We have some new Canadian friends podcast by proxy, and I've been listening to them. They are awesome. And they just did, they just covered the Jodi Arias case. It's a, it's an American case, but Mm -hmm. um, that one dates back. I remember that one. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. She, that one was funny too, because
0: she, uh remember when she like dyed her hair her hair was like bleach blonde but then when she went to court she looked like a school teacher like "Mm." oh she dyed it like
1: dark and put on like Mm -hmm. glasses little like harry potter glasses yeah no you can't disguise yourself podcast by proxy you can find them on podcast and spotify today's case is about the disappearance of alvin and katherine lickness and their five-year-old grandson nathan o'brien You are our superhero right now, and we're going to
0: bring you home very soon.
1: To whoever has Nathan, please find it in your heart to drop off our little angel, Nathan, to which he can be rescued and reunited with his brothers and his family. This story takes place in Calgary, Alberta. As some of you might know, it's the cosmopolitan city of Alberta. And it's also known as the center of Canada's oil industry. Calgary is an awesome city. I know you've been there lots too. Oh, tons, tons. It's a cool city. It's
0: a, I like Calgary a lot. It's very, very metropolitan. And and yeah, it's spaced out crazy though.
1: It is. They have, I mean, well, I have kids, so they have an awesome zoo. (laughs) When we're in Calgary, we always hit up the zoo. They have their stampede. I mean, I hope they bring their stampede back after Covid. Mm. Covid's all done. We shall see, but yeah, they it is an awesome city.
0: And so close to the mountains. That's their that's their bonus. Oh, like half an hour gosh. drive. It's so nice. Oh yeah.
1: I mean, you could just go to the mountains for the day. Mm-hmm. And hang know. out and come come home. It's Something
0: awesome. Edmonton doesn't have, but Calgary is lovely that way.
1: Yes. On Sunday, June 29th, 2014, Alvin and Kathy Lickness who were two Calgarians, just had an estate sale in their home that weekend. They were set to retire and they wanted to downsize. They actually had just bought a smaller place in Edmonton and they planned on going back and forth between Edmonton and spend most of their time in Mexico. They were planning on enjoying their retirement. And as from what I have read, Alvin loved to golf. (laughs) I know you enjoy golfing too.
0: love golf. It's a frustrating (laughs) it's like a love-hate sport like when you're good at it you're like or when you have a good round you're like oh I love this game it's so fun and then when you have a bad round
1: you like curse the golf club (laughs) I have clubs and I think I've used them four times (laughs) (laughs) I'd rather drive the golf cart and have like a cocktail and cheer everybody else on (laughs) totally (laughs) that's why you go golfing (laughs) right exactly there had been many people coming through their residence that weekend as many people love estate sales you can find that hidden gem especially if you love antiques alvin and kathy's daughter jennifer o'brien a busy mom of three young boys were there was there that day helping her parents with the estate sale and she even planned to spend the night with her two children her five-year-old son nathan o'brien and her baby so they had a busy day they all hung out they ordered chinese food and she put her five-year-old son Nathan to sleep and he was fast asleep but her baby just wouldn't settle so she decided to head home with her youngest and just leave Nathan to sleep at his grandparents house she said I'm just gonna she planned on returning the next day to pick him up and she left her parents house about quarter to 11 that evening the next day when Jennifer returned which was Monday morning on June 30th she instantly knew something was terribly wrong the front door was wide open. And when she walked in, she said the smell of blood was so strong. And as soon as she came in, it was very apparent because there was blood all over the house. She ran throughout the house trying to find her parents and her young son, of course, and they were nowhere to be found. So, of course, she immediately called the police. They, of course, didn't know what the situation was, and they ordered her to go into her car and lock her doors because they didn't know if there was an intruder or intruders still in the house. Police arrived immediately, and of course, searching the property... They found no one, but what they did find was a tiny bloody handprint on the wall that they assumed must have been Nathan's as he was either being dragged out of the house. They were praying that he got scared, he witnessed something, and maybe he was hiding, but sadly he was nowhere to be found. It was very apparent that Alvin, Kathy, and Nathan had been taken, and if someone or not all of them were badly injured... And they definitely would be needing medical help just by the crime scene. So there was a side door to the home, which police could tell had been tampered with. And that was that was the way the intruder or intruders entered the home. And, you know, you probably remember growing up, right? There was that side door that would go um, either to either connected the garage and the house or it would you'd go into that side door and it would go down to the basement or go up into like the kitchen area. Right. That's what we had. Yeah, We had one of those. A missing persons alert was issued immediately for Alvin and Kathy and an Amber Alert was issued for young Nathan. And this hit the media right away. The clip you heard at the beginning was Nathan's father um, and Jennifer's husband making an emotional plea for his son's return. At first the police were only saying there were signs that they did not leave their home voluntarily. There was no mention of the bloody scene found at the home. And I can remember, actually, when it was reported on the news. And the they issued the ambu- Amber Alert for Nathan. So, of course, when it's an Amber Alert, you think somebody up abduct- Like, at first I was confused. Like, what? Yeah, it's a kidnapping. And the grandparents were missing. And then the news quickly mentioned that there was no child custody case. There was no family issues. And that the three of them were would have been missing together. The police finally did also come forward and confirm that a violent crime did occur at that residence and the victims would be in medical distress. So, of course, uh, tips came pouring in all over. About four days after the disappearance, police released a photo of a dark green Ford F-150, older model, late 80s, early 90s. The truck was picked up on camera outside the house the evening the disappearance of Alvin, Kathy and Nathan, The police said they wanted to speak to the owner of the truck. They felt that they might have some information about the disappearance. Releasing that picture of the truck ended up giving the police a huge crack in the case. They received a call from a woman named Patty Garland. She told them, yes, I do know that truck, and I'm looking at it right now. It belonged to her brother, Douglas Garland. Patty was staying at her parents' farm where her brother, Douglas Garland, lived. Patty and her husband, Alan, just came in from out of town very urgently because Alan's parents and nephew had just gone missing. So there's a connection there. Mm -hmm. So, of course, Douglas Garland was taken in for questioning and he wasn't saying anything. The police quickly got a search warrant for the Garland family farm, which is located in Airdrie, Alberta. If you go to our Instagram, you can see there's like aerial pictures of the farm, and it's actually a beautiful farm in Airdrie. And is um, quite big. Mhm. Mm-hmm. It really is. The police searched the farm, and they were hoping, of course, worst case scenario, that they would f- that this was a kidnapping case, and they the three of them would be found alive. But they did not find them on the farm. And what they did find was extremely disturbing. They found a bag with a knife. They found handcuffs. They found a baton. They also found a burning barrel on the farm, which was n- not particularly unusual for a farm. I mean, I my grandparents had a farm and they had burning barrels all the time. Just of, Yeah, mine too. Yeah. so Because you burned
0: like leaves and garbage and that's just what you totally. did on a huge farm. It wasn't anything unusual. So it unusual. didn't
1: really totally alert them at first. Douglas Garland was held and finally released on a $750 bail, which really seems like nothing. Nothing? (laughs) Right? A $750 bail. But I think when you think about it, they wanted to set the bail so low because they wanted to get this guy out so they could put surveillance on him. If he did have the three and they are in medical distress, well, they needed to follow him to see if he's obviously going to them. I mean, that's what I think, because a $750 bail is is pretty low. So one of the restrictions Garland had upon his bail was he was not allowed to return to his parents' farm, which he was like, yeah, no problem. Because, of course, the police, if there was anything on the farm or any evidence, they didn't want him tampering with it. But, of course, what did he do? He tried to sneak back onto the farm in Airdrie in the middle of the night. Not yeah, That's just guilt right there. Oh, I you can actually see a picture of him. He was literally crawling on on yeah, on his belly through shr- like through through a wooded area just trying to get across to the farm. And on the other side, the police were all waiting oh for him. Oh my gosh. What
0: an idiot.
1: Yeah, so I mean, that's if you have obviously he has something to hide or he mm-hmm. had something to hide there, right? So he was arrested and he was charged at that time with two counts of first-degree murder and one count of second-degree murder. The three victims, sadly, had not been found. But what had been found inside that burning barrel, because the police did decide to go through it, were bits of bones, teeth among the ashes, and there was also a pair of reading glasses that were said to belong to either Kathy or Alvin. Mm -hmm. The police also found some disturbing things on his computer, like how to kill people without joy, how to torture someone, And very disturbing images of dismembered and deceased people. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, but it's so dark and twisted and disturbing. And I, at that point, I have, I just, I can't understand somebody's thought process. I mean, there is a very dark side to this man, obviously.
0: Oh my gosh, 100%.
1: So who was Douglas Garland? Well, at this point, it wouldn't be a shocker if I told you he had a criminal record. He actually was kicked out of medical school for cheating. Yeah. I mean I'm I'm dating back here from He was arrested for weapons and charges and other assaults throughout the years. He was also arrested for running a meth lab. And at that time he left Alberta and he moved to Vancouver and he at that when he did that he stole the identity of a 14-year-old boy named Matthew Kemper Hartley. This boy had died in a car crash in 1980. So he used his name Yeah, he used his name for living while he was living in B.C. for seven years. He got away with it. He had social insurance numbers, everything. So one thing the police wanted to know was why. Why was Alvin and Kathy Lickness targeted by Douglas Garland? Well, Garland had a very petty grudge against Alvin that dated back to about 2006, And I mean, no grudge, there's no excuse for any grudge. Mm -hmm. It can excuse violently murdering someone. But Garland clearly was a pathetic man. During the trial, Alan Lickness, who was Alvin's son, and he was the one who's married to, to Garland's sister, Patty. He testified his father had hired Garland to do some wiring for a pump. The father and son were developing. And, you know, as you know, as in business, the relationship soured and it started to go sideways. And Garland stopped answering any of Alvin's calls. So Alvin eventually just decided to let him go and move on. And according to Alan's accounts, who is the son, his father and himself had enough of Garland. Alvin put a patent on the pump that they had been working on. And they never talked to Garland again. It, and it wasn't like Alvin... Lickness made any money off of this patent it it didn't go anywhere you know a patent was put on and that was it just
0: for security Dur- alone is
1: yeah you know. during the trial even Garland's own family really did turn on him his sister Patty was the one who called called the police saying that that was her brother's truck his parents also testified in court that he was a lonely man with very few to no friends
0: that's his parents so- saying that
1: yeah The second-degree murder charge for Nathan O'Brien was also changed to first-degree murder. I mean, I think at first they figured that Nathan was there just... It was just a coincidence that that he was taken, that Garland did plan to just... He was targeting only Alvin and Kathy. But given the horrific crime, it was changed to first-degree murder. No DNA of Garland's was ever found at the scene, but there was a bloody shoe print... That was a Doctor Scholl's shoe. Now that same shoe was never found at Garland's home, but a shoebox for that exact shoe and that exact size was found at his home. Tragically, DNA proved the remains of Alvin and Kathy, and Nathan were found in that burning barrel. They did they did test DNA. There was also the victims DNA that were found on hooks at the Garland's home. Ugh one very big piece of evidence that came to light during the trial was from a pilot who was using a surveyor's plane taking aerial pictures from the sky. He was taking pictures, he ended up taking pictures the day after Alvin, Kathy, and Nathan went missing. And he he did it for a few days, like over a few days. On those photographs on the first day, you can see two adults laying down on the ground and a small child laying to the side near the shed. Tragically, they could tell that the victims were deceased because both of the adults were decapitated.
0: Wow.
1: Right? The next day...
0: That that takes such a type of person to do that. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's one thing to kill someone, but to remove their heads, it's like... I don't know that's just so disturbing it's it's disturbing, it's, so it's very sad. dark
1: mm-hmm. The next day when the plane flew over though, there's more aerial pictures taken and the bodies were gone. so it's assumed by then he had he had burned them so Douglas Garland, I mean I can't believe he pleaded not guilty. he's always denied the crimes and to this day he has not talked about what happened, and he's shown zero remorse. On February 16, 2017, Garland was found guilty of three counts of first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison for a maximum of 75 years with no chance of parole. So once he's done serving his time, he will be 129 years old when he has chance of parole. So, I mean, this guy's not going anywhere.
0: And interesting enough, because remember we had that discussion before, how usually they'll get life in prison but 25 years parole, and he didn't get any, which is interesting.
1: Well, he served him, he's, yes, but he was charged for three different murder charges and he's serving, right? It's been proven that he, and it was proven that he was, he had been planning the murder for years. Wow. Talk about Mm -hmm. a vendetta. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, a lot of times in cases we'll see, I mean, police, police are human, right? We all make mistakes and a lot of times we have seen where they've, we've read where they've, botched the case Mm -hmm. and in this situation they actually said the police did such a a good job of investigating and I mean it's Douglas Garland is you know it's nice to see justice being served for such a tragic and horrific crime Jennifer O'Brien who lost her son and her parents made a victim's impact statement she said I take comfort in knowing Douglas Garland will be locked up for life sometimes I'm angry other days I just cry all day It's particularly hard watching Nathan's friends grow, knowing I will never watch my own son grow up or watch him score a winning goal. Jennifer described her parents as very loving, supportive parents. Alvin and Kathy had four children, one of them, of course, being Jennifer and her brother, Alan. And they were very, very close with their grandchildren. Like for Nathan to go sleep over at his grandparents was a common occurrence. Jennifer said her mom was just sweet and lovely And she just really knew how to make a house a home like everybody wanted to be there nathan o'brien was just a sweet and happy loving child if you see his pictures he's just a beautiful boy he's got so cute oh he's so cute he's got this head full of curls he loved superheroes and soccer and he loved playing hockey his dad rod also mentioned that he would have these little talks with nathan Um, And in one particular conversation, Nathan asked his dad about heaven. His dad described heaven as beautiful and peaceful. And Nathan said to his dad, one day, dad, I will welcome you into heaven. And of course, Rod was like, no, no, son. You know, it's going to be me who will welcome you into heaven one day. That's, you know, the natural. And I mean, my grandma used to always say to me, everyone has their time they're going to go, but in in the in the natural order like a parent should never have to bury their own child that is just so young it's just such a tragedy it's just it's something you never get over and with all of their grief rod and jennifer are just amazing people and they're just trying to do good they started the nathan o'brien children's foundation they've been i've seen them on global news before talking about it they support public charities and I encourage anyone to make any small donation. A lot of times people feel like they can't make, you know, if it's like, they're like, oh, I only have five bucks. Five bucks goes a long way if everybody does it, right? So totally. I encourage everybody to make a donation. I'm going to make a donation as well. And just honor for this. Let's honor this beautiful little boy's life. Douglas Garland has tried to appeal his convictions, which didn't go very well for him, as you can imagine, And the day that Garland was convicted, he was hunched over and he had a very hard time walking into court. The 57-year-old man had been assaulted several times in prison. Because, well, child murderers, child rapists, they don't do well in prison. Nope. And I don't feel sorry for him. Nope. One thing I thought you would find interesting that... So after um, the trial, or probably after the disappearance, the, the Lickness home... Um, there was always, nobody was living there, um, but there was always, like, flowers and teddy bears all over the front yard as kind of a memorial, but eventually the home was torn down. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I don't know if anything's been rebuilt since then, but, um, the pictures that I did see of it, now it's just a vacant lot. So, that is the case, the tragic case of Alvin and Kathy Lickness and, yeah, Nathan O'Brien. So if you want to see photos, um, please kindly follow us on Instagram at Great White North Crimes, where you can see photos of all of our cases that we cover. And some funnies, yes. <laughs> and our dogs. <laughs> and our dogs. I mean, <laughs> we, we we try and stay very active on there. So,
0: Well, thanks for... Uh, I, I didn't know that story at all, so that's a... Um...
1: I wanted to cover it because I just remember it when it, I remember it when it happened. So yes, thank you for listening. Thanks all. Stay tuned for the next episode. That's right. A little true crime podcast never hurt anyone. It really did not Let's talk about the foundation, Rod. Um,
0: there's not just one charity that's going to benefit from the hockey game on the fifth. Right. Uh, it's a, a couple of charities you guys have kind of pinpointed already. Right. Mm-hmm. So
1: our, our initial first three charities that we are going to donate to are the Calgary Brown Bank, Society for Calgary kids, Flames um, Even Start Program, and the Children's Cottage Society. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So those
0: are the first three ones that we've taken a look at, and uh, it it goes with our values and Nathan's Nathan spirit.